Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Hey, welcome. So glad that you're here at the Ottawa campus as well as at the Peru campus and online. Thankful for every single one of you that, um, that Crossbridge is home. And so we are, um, we're looking at the next parable and I'm excited to share it with you. Hey, I, I was thinking about this though. Um, have you ever been praying over a specific subject near to your heart and it just seems like that God is silent? Would anybody be honest enough to raise your hand? Yeah. That he, that he seems far away, that he seems distant, that it seems like he's out to lunch, you know, he's busy on other things, and he's just not hearing your prayer. It's almost like they're backed up and you're wondering, like, does he even hear it? And I don't know about you, but when that happens, um, for me, it makes me feel alone, right? It makes me think, uh, God, where are you? But if you've been there before, or maybe you're there right now, maybe in your life you're there right now, and I'll tell you, you are in the right place today. Jesus tells a couple stories that are really powerful about prayer and about the waiting. And one of them is found in Luke chapter 11. The other is found in Luke chapter 18. And, um, and I, I want to share them with you. I'm excited to share them with you. So let's first look at Luke chapter 11. This, this heading is called teaching about prayer. And, um, and at the very beginning of it, we see that Jesus was like, he was teaching them and he mentions a familiar prayer that many of us know. And he says in verses two through four, he said to them, when you pray, say, father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. You know, maybe, maybe you've, you're familiar with that, right? Like some words from the Lord's Prayer. But then he goes on in verses 5 through 8, and, um, and he begins to teach them about prayer. And so he uses his story, right? We're talking about the great storyteller. He uses his story. So, so listen to these words. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Who goes to a friend's house at midnight to borrow three loaves of bread, right? If you show up at my house, I'm not giving you bread either at midnight. But anyway, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Can you picture that? Someone just keeps knocking on the door. You'd probably give him more than bread, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's what I thought. Now, Luke chapter 18, okay, flip it over just a little bit, just a little bit later in Luke. And there's another story that's very similar to this one. And it's about prayer. It's about persistence. And the story is called the parable of the persistent widow. So let's, let's read that together. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. 
A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Father, thank you so much for your word and for the stories that you told. And and these stories weren't just for ears back here in this day. Like those stories are for ears today. Like give us ears to hear. Give us minds to understand, hearts that are open. God, I pray that you would teach us. I pray that even as folks, um, I think about the people in Peru, I think about people online, people here at Ottawa, I, I pray that it wouldn't be about my words, but Father, your spirit would take my words and you would use them to teach your people. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So let's dive in and look at the details of the story. We, we pick up on this story and it's in the courtroom of the day, right? The story goes on to describe polar opposites in the judicial system. You have a judge that has all the power and you have a widow that has no power. The story tells us that the judge neither feared God nor cared about people. That's really probably not the judge you want, right? If you're in the courtroom. But, but, but hear this, right? So we have a judge who has no motivation to help a widow who also on, on her behalf, she has no leverage, none. She has no social, political, or economic standing. She truly is at the mercy of the court. And, and then, but here's what you have, right? You have a widow who just keeps nagging, who just keeps at it over and over and over. And what you hear is this judge, not out of justice, but he's like, I can't take it any longer. She's driving me crazy. So he relents. He doesn't relent out of compassion. He doesn't relent out of justice. He relents out of his own self-interest because he wants to be left alone. Hear that part in the story. See, we serve a big God that can move things that we wouldn't think movable. That's really important to think about. We serve a big God that can move things that we wouldn't think movable. As the readers would have been listening, the point would have, not, would have not been to have seen God as the judge, but a better picture might be to have seen God as one who cares about his people that live in the midst of injustice, in the midst of his people who feel powerless. He's paying attention and he can work in the midst of things that his followers may say, we have no leverage in this. Everything seems stacked against us and we find ourselves powerless. You know, I was thinking um, just a couple of things here. Um, I want to invite you to continue to pray for Sam and Christy Seneca. Um, you know, Sam and Christy, maybe it's your first time here. We have a couple um, and they're a beautiful family. They're beautiful kids who are headed off to be missionaries in the, in the Dominican Republic. God's call has been very clear on their life. And, and as that call has been clear, we have been a church who has sent them. And we are trying to send them. The problem is they can't get their paperwork. 
And so they are so, like, I feel sorry for them. Like, the, the kids seem ready. Mom and dad are ready. Like, they are ready. They just can't get there. And so I'd ask that you would continue to pray for them. The truth is, though, even, I, like, I can kind of um, relate to this. When we went to adopt our kids, oh, time gets away from me, but probably in the neighborhood of 12 years ago, 13 years ago in the process, you know, it was a three-year process. And when you're working with a different country and you're trying to get paperwork and all the things that go with that, it can be rough. I remember in the midst of that process um, that we were working with our agency, our adoption agency located out of Northern Virginia. And I remember when they notified us and we had been a long time, I think maybe a year and a half, two years into the process, and they notified us and just said, hey, um, we'd already paid a lot of money. And, and they said to us, hey, this isn't looking good. Like there are no children coming out of this country. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna allow you to transfer your funds to a different country, start the process over. And, and, and in a sense, like this is what you need to do, right? And now common sense would say, as you listen to that, that if your agency's telling you that, it's probably time to jump, right? So I was like, let's jump, right? Let's go to a different country. And I remember my wife was like, nope, we're staying put. And, and I just remember thinking, what, you know? And she held steady. And, and then I remember that God, through our agency, long story, but there was a woman in El Salvador who had lots of power. And when I say lots of power, she loved children. She had a heart for um, orphans in the country. And she had lots of power. Her husband had something to do with ownership of the one airline in the country, and um, she had power. And, and I remember when our agency said, hey, we want to send you there, and you're going to meet this lady, and her name is Carmen. You're going to meet her, and she's going to parade you around, and she has meetings for you, and you're going to meet with some higher-up officials in the government. So because she wants them to see a picture of what families look like on the other side waiting for kids. And we went and we met this Carmen and she, you could tell she was powerful. <laughs> and she took us and we met the right people and we shared our story. And, um, and I just remember like, I look back at it all now. In fact, every November when we celebrate adoption, I'm reminded of like, I feel like my children are like my family. It, it, it's miraculous. It's miraculous that they came out because in some ways it, we were powerless we were powerless, we had no leverage, and yet God moved in the midst of that. You know, um, a story is a very real reminder to me that uh, when we come to God and we ask, as powerless as we may be, may we not give up. That God can orchestrate things that we could never orchestrate on our own. That in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our no leverage, that God can exercise leverage. We never give up. It reminds me of my daughter even today. I think of like the blessing my kids are. And, um, but I will tell you this, my daughter is relentless. She's relentless. Sometimes she drives me crazy because she will ask for things. You tell that girl, no, she just comes back the next day with a different angle at it. Right. She's always been like that. You know, you know, you know remember like, I don't know if you're in your house or you're ever like, no means no, no means no. You have to say it like 10 times in my house. Right because she's relentless. Now, I think she should get in sales, right? Because she'd do well. But it's so interesting that Jesus chooses to use a widow in the story. 
See, we get the picture of, when I think of this widow, picture it with me, probably poor, maybe elderly, frail, helpless. And yet God shows us that she's not helpless with him working on her behalf. That maybe in this world she looks helpless, but with him she is powerful. That mountains can be moved on her behalf. Isaiah 40, 29 tells us he gives power to the weak and he gives strength to the powerless. I mean, just a question that I would ask, Peru campus, Ottawa campus, online, wherever you are, I'm telling you, my guess is that there are people who are listening right now that you feel powerless. You feel you have no leverage. You feel like you don't know what to do, but you just know it just seems like God is not listening and it's just, there's nothing you can do. It's a terrible feeling, but here's what I would tell you, keep going to him in prayer. Keep knocking on the door. See, when we pray, help us, Father, to be patient and to persevere. Uh, Verses seven and eight said, "Even, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Now, when I see that, I think God has a different idea of quickly than I do. Anybody? Are you with me? Like sometimes his quickly, I'm like, woohoo, I don't, your quickly and my quickly are very different. But I also know this, if you're like me, my guess is you struggle with patience. Patience is hard. You ever notice when you're in a hurry? It's almost comical, isn't it? When you're in a hurry, it's the the time when you get behind a tractor on the road or, and, and you're just like, why today? Right? Move. Because, I mean, it's so hard. It is so hard to be patient. Most of us, I think, struggle with patience. And yet we're reminded through Scripture over and over that God calls us to be. Even Psalm 27, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. I saw this really interesting story. I told you I've been reading a book by Dr. John Bowling about parables. And, and this really interesting story, it caught my attention. And um, I don't share a lot of these with you, but I, I wanted to share it with you. This story, how many of you have heard of a, a person by the name of Florence Chadwick? Anybody in the room? Florence Chadwick. No one. Okay. Peru? No one. I'm sure. <laughs> Here's the story. In 1952, um, let's just back up a second. Florence Chadwick was a swimmer. She loved to swim um, like open water kind of swimming. And she wanted to go, like, she was kind of the, the kind of person who would set goals and wanted to do long distances. And um, she'd swam the English Channel uh, both ways. Um, and this was her next challenge. And she placed her toes in the Pacific Ocean off of uh, Catalina Island. And she was determined she was going to swim to the shore of California. I-, I looked it up. It was like a 78-mile swim in open water. It says that the weather was foggy that morning and chilly. In fact, she could hardly see the boats accompanying her um, in this feat. She swam for 15 hours straight and finally came to her breaking point where she begged to be pulled out of the water. Her mom was in one of those boats and her mom was saying, no, 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 no. Like, keep going. You can do this. Can you picture that? No, no, no. I mean, 15 hours, you got 16. Go get them, right? And she was, she was begging her to stay in the water, to keep going. And she went a little bit longer. And then she got to the point where she was like, take me out. And they pulled her out of the water. They put her in the boat. And they discovered this. They discovered 
She was a half of a mile from the shore. Half a mile. She swam 77.5 miles. The next day they interviewed her and she said, all I could see was the fog. She said, I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. How many times, right? How many times are we in the midst of praying and we see nothing but fog? We just can't see it out in front of us. We can't see how God could possibly do it. And I just wonder, like sometimes, right, when we quit, how close are we to the breakthrough? How close are we to God helping us to to see what he's doing in our life? But I've also say this, the delays, the delays are the places that our trust is stretched and our faith has grown. I think sometimes we need reminders that God may seem late, but that he's still on the way. Um, I was just sitting here at the Ottawa campus this last week, and um, it, was a, it was a long, interesting, hard week. Um, lots of stuff going on and lots of hurting families and funerals. And, but I'll say this, I was sitting here and I was waiting on a family to show up um, to work with them on a um, funeral. And I was supposed to meet them at 3.30. And so I had said, hey, 3.30, the Ottawa campus, I'll be there. I'll meet you there. So I pulled in here and I walked in and I unlocked the door and I turned on the lights and I sat down and I looked down, it was 3.30. And I looked down, it was 3.35. I looked down, it was 3.38. And at this point, I'm like, this is weird. Not one family member has showed up, right? And here's what that usually means in the past. This is what it means. It means that I probably got my locations messed up. I either got the location messed up or I got the time messed up. And in my head, I was like, I know I said 3.30. I wonder if I said the office, right? So I call Pastor Sherry and I'm like, hey, Pastor Sherry, are you at the office? Yes, I am. I said, do you you see a family there? And she's like, no, I don't. And I'm like, yes, I'm not, at least I'm not wrong, right? And so, um, and she says, oh, you're talking about, you're talking about so-and-so's, you're coming to meet with you. I said, yeah. And she said, they just texted, they got hung up in traffic, but they're almost there. And, and I'll tell you, so I, I went there. I, I went from sitting like thinking, uh, right? Are they coming? Did they forget? Are they somewhere else? Did I mess up? The moment I knew they were coming, it changed. Like it changed. I sat back in the chair. I relaxed. I looked out the window. I pulled out my phone. I started checking email. I, I was like, I'm good. I mean, now that I know they're coming, I can just relax. I, I, I think about this. I think about this whole story, right? May that thought carry over in our relationship with God as well. Faith to relax in the midst of the waiting. Faith to believe that God is still at work. It's just taking a little longer than anticipated. Now I'll tell you, I struggle with that as much as any of you. I struggle with that as much as any of you, but this scripture, like, I think that's what scripture does, right? Scripture comes along and it encourages us. It challenges us to to look beyond where we're currently living, to trust that maybe God's just not quite on our timing, but he's still going to show up, just not as we originally anticipated. I was thinking about the big takeaway in this story, and... um, and here's what I'm not sure of. I, I've always read these stories, the persistent widow or this knocking on the door, asking for bread. And I've always just thought, it's just about persistence. 
It's about not giving up. It's about keep going after God, right? Keep praying, keep asking, begging, knocking, drive him crazy, right? But maybe there's something bigger. Persistence is important. But maybe the bigger thought might be found in the last verse, and that's verse 8. So I want us to take a look at it. I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? You know, in our waiting for Jesus to return, it's one thing to say, I believe Jesus is coming back. It's another in the waiting to have faith, to believe that he is coming. I wonder how many will he find on the earth who have faith? You know, um, here's what really matters. What really matters is our faith in the midst of delay and in the midst of what feels like injustice. Let me say that again. What really matters is our faith in the midst of delay and injustice. You know, there's so many times I think we can look and be like, man, this is just wrong. Like, I, I feel like God should show up. Like, this is wrong. Where is he? Or, or there's times when we're like, God, if you really loved me, you would show up. Where are you? But it is in those places of delay, it is in those places of injustice that this story reminds us that when we're powerless, when we have no leverage, when the world seems unjust, when, when God seems slow, that he can still be trusted. That he can be trusted. God, help us to have faith in the delay. Help us to have faith in our powerlessness Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to respond with communion in, in just a moment. But I want to pray for us before we get there. Father, I think about this story. I think we can relate to, we can relate to the nagging. We can relate to the persistence. Lord, the hardest part the hardest part of the story is thinking about having faith in the midst of the delay or having faith when it just doesn't seem just. God, I, I pray that just as I sat in our four-year space and I could relax knowing that the party was coming in our relationship with you, may you help us even in times of delay and even in times of injustice to relax knowing it may not be our timing, but you are on the way. Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for stretching us at times like you do. And God, I'm thankful that according to your word, you, I know this, I know this, that you hear us. I know this, that you love us. And I know this, you want us to cry out to you that you want us to be your kids who fully trust in you and your best and your goodness for each of us. So Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.